To say that I'm obsessed with personal finance is an understatement, but I've struggled to find someone I can relate to who can provide sound money advice, partly because in generations past, my culture has frowned upon these types of discussions. The Check Your Money podcast was created in my quest to find a space of support and network of people just like me that want to grow financially. I'm excited to share ways you can improve your current and future financial health, set and meet money goals, and even plan for retirement in this ever-changing economy. I hope that by the end of this episode, you'll say to yourself at least once, I need to check my money today. Welcome back to Check Your Money. Thank you so much for your support and for coming back to listen. So do you think or worry about retirement as much as I do? When I think about retirement, for the most part, my frame of reference are people who have managed to make Social Security benefits work somehow. Unfortunately, it's meant living with their adult children or living in low-income housing with state benefits or having their adult children help them make ends meet. This is a reality for most, and it's why I've always been obsessed with saving for retirement. Over the last few months, for me, it's even turned into trying to achieve FIRE, which stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. It's a whole other topic, and I do intend to get into it in the future. But it basically means that I'm trying to be on this accelerated path of savings for retirement. And while part of my reason is that, hey, who doesn't want to retire early? The other part of it is that I'm divorced, which in my opinion, and according to statistics, puts me at risk for having to depend on my kids if I don't plan carefully enough. I know plenty of people who aren't concerned about saving for retirement, or at least not as concerned as I am. So like I said, I'm divorced. I was married for 17 years, and not being married now makes me even more paranoid about it. I really don't feel like I'm going to be able to make ends meet when I retire if I don't plan. While I'm still young and hope that I don't retire alone, I plan as if I am. It's my version of plan for the worst, hope for the best. The decline in marriage rates creates concerns for women's retirement security because there's a correlation between marital status and economic status for women. Unmarried women, on average, have fewer economic resources than married women, aka less money. Near or nearly retired unmarried women are three times more likely to be poor, whatever this study's version of poor is, and have lower household income and net worth than married couples that are the same age. And surprise, surprise, even compared to unmarried men in the same age group, unmarried women are financially worse off. If you're an unmarried woman from a minority group, statistically, you have an even lower economic resource. About 30% of unmarried African-American women and Latinas are living in poverty, again, according to whatever poverty means for this particular study, and they have between 10 to 25% the net worth of unmarried white women. Single mothers are even more vulnerable. I've only recently realized that being Hispanic statistically puts me behind the eight ball in my mission. I'm not alone in fearing that I'm going to outlive my savings. As a person of color, I face an even greater risk because the wealth and pay gap we face as a whole. By being aware of this, I can focus on preparing accordingly. I'm going to explore this a little bit, but the bottom line is the reason is simple. Number one, math, and number two, financial literacy. The Bureau of Labor Statistics estimates that the average retired household spends nearly $49,000 per year. I know a few people on Social Security, and their checks are around $1,200 a month. 
Think about that for those of you who intend to rely on that. Sure, there are government resources available to help, but I can't imagine trying to live on $1,200 a month between rent, car insurance, food, gas, and entertainment, or maybe even trying to visit my kids wherever they end up living in the future. Let me give you a little insight as to what you can expect from Social Security. They take your top 35 earning years, add it up, and divide by 420, which are the number of months in 35 years. If you make an average of $60,000, you're looking at roughly $2,157 a month at full retirement age. And let me give you the spoiler alert. They take an average of your highest earning years. If you have 20 years of $60,000 and the rest with no reported income, meaning no W-2 income, no like other kind of reported income, like if you're getting paid under the table, that's not going to count. Okay, so they're putting in zeros for those missing years to come up with your average. You can go on ssa.gov retire for way more details on this and to check out the calculator to see where you might fall. But this is why you need to take advantage of your prime earning years. What you lack in income and wealth during your working years translates into a much greater risk of financial insecurity in retirement. All right, let's get into it. The issue I learned while creating this content that blew my mind. According to a study from 2016, white families had $130,000 more or six times more in average liquid retirement savings than black and Hispanic families. In 2013, the average white family had more than $130,000 in liquid retirement savings, which is cash in accounts such as 401ks and 403bs, which are employer-sponsored retirement plans. Again, I'll get into this a little bit towards the end. And IRAs, which is one that you open with no employer association, versus $19,000 for the average African-American. So that's $130 versus $19,000. Hispanic households with either a 401k or an IRA tend to have significantly lower accumulated balances than all households with an account. For example, between $50,000 and $75,000 in income, the average balance for all households was more than $58,000. The average for Hispanics was under $23,000. Think about how far you can get with that these days and for how long. Older Hispanics are less likely to trust financial markets. We tend to hold on to money and invest in tangible things that one can touch, see, and manage, like real estate and cars. Apparently, Black and Hispanic families have less access to retirement saving vehicles and lower participation when they do have access, roughly 40%. Only one-third of Black families have any assets in retirement accounts, while fewer than 30% of Latino families have retirement accounts. 40% say that paying down debt is a higher priority than making retirement contributions. That's making it necessary to rely on programs that aren't meant to support an entire household. According to the National Committee to Preserve Social Security and Medicare, Close to 50% of African-American households rely on Social Security for 90% of retirement income. One in three rely on it as a sole source of retirement income. And that's partly why, for households 70 years or older, African-American homes are having to rely on earning more income by working part-time 
to cover 38% of household expenses compared to 32% of the calculation. So, and then, like I said, it's, it's a matter of math. So if a higher earning person and a lower earning person are both contributing 5%, that's a total different actual amount of money, right? And this is why making sure you're earning the most you can, so you can have a higher base from which to save is so important. Those with low income save a smaller fraction as well. I know it sounds crazy to take money away from the little you're making now for later, but I'm going to show you why you might actually be able to afford to do this. Oh, and we live longer. According to official projections, Hispanics have a higher life expectancy than other Americans. At age 22, for example, Hispanics have a life expectancy of 60 years, three years longer than white non-Hispanics, and more than seven years longer than black non-Hispanics. At age 65, Hispanics have an expectancy of 21 more years, again, significantly longer than non-Hispanics. Shoot, my grandmother lived till she was like 95 or something like that. This reinforces the need for accumulated assets in order to live comfortably throughout retirement. I've talked about using financial mentors in my past episodes. This is so very important because research shows that our attitudes, our savings, risk preferences, and investment choices are usually learned or mimicked from our parents. So you need a network to get your knowledge, skills, and understand your opportunities related to saving or even basic understanding of financial matters. There's no shame in seeking this out. How else can you grow if you don't have someone you can access to ask questions of and stuff? The sooner you can increase your financial literacy, the sooner you can start having a positive effect on your retirement income. Once you're introduced to financial institutions and financial terminology and given an opportunity to make financial decisions, it may help you overcome barriers, either informational or psychological, that have historically existed in our culture. And why should you save for retirement? Well, do you want to have to work forever? I mean, if you want to, that's cool. But do you want to have to is my question. Listen, the best way to save for your retirement is to use an actual retirement account. Because one, taxes. And two, growth potential. The types of accounts are traditional or Roth IRA, 401k, simple IRA, 403b, or 457B. It all depends on the type of place you work for or if you open one on your own. With the exception of the Roth IRA, these are generally tax-deductible contributions, meaning you don't pay taxes on it now, and tax-deferred earnings. So whatever it grows, you don't pay taxes on right now either. But again, this is all depending on your actual tax situation. So if you're in a 25% tax bracket and make $100,000, for example, and you contribute $10,000 a year to one of these plans where it's tax deductible now. That's $2,500 less that you have to give Uncle Sam. It's like that money never came in except that it did and it's in your retirement account. Had you kept the $10,000 and not contributed to, let's say, your 401k, guess what? You don't actually get to keep $10,000. $10,000 is not coming home with you. You get to keep $7,500 because you had to pay taxes on that money. This can get a little complicated, but I always tell people start with a low contribution percentage, like two or 3%, and then see how it affects you and then take it from there. And you'll see that, let's say you're contributing 5%, that's actually not 5% you're missing because you're not getting taxed on it. Like I said, it, it can get a little tricky. So 
it's really just kind of trial and error with that. Start low and then just kind of go from there, like I said. So these accounts are protected from bankruptcy. And you have a child that's going to college. They're protected against counting against you as an asset, meaning it's like you don't have that money, right? They don't count your retirement as something that you have available to you to pay college tuition. I haven't gotten into that topic here yet, but I definitely plan to because that's a big one. The difference between a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA is that with a Roth IRA, the money you invest comes from after-tax income. Let's just say that you contribute to it with your spending money. With a traditional IRA, what you comes what you put in comes from pre-tax income, which makes it a little less painful to save now, but it means you have to pay taxes on it when you take the money out down the road. So the traditional IRA provides tax deferred investing, meaning that money, like I just said, that you contribute will be taxed later on, but it's also after your money has grown. There's a bunch of rules as to whether you can contribute to either of these and whether it's tax deductible right now. So if you have access to a 401k at work, then you can't contribute to the traditional IRA. If you make too much money, then you can't contribute to the Roth IRA. I could get into the nitty gritty, but honestly, like that's just the simple answer. If you'd like to reach out to me and have me get a little deeper into this for you based on your personal situation, honestly, I'd be glad to because it, it really can get a little hairy. So let's just say you're trying to decide between either, you know, the traditional IRA or 401k, assuming you've contributed up to your employer match, don't lose that free money, which I'll talk about in a bit, or the Roth IRA. The big question to ask when deciding between the two of these options is this, is my current tax bracket higher or lower than it will be when I start using this money? You may not know the answer, so it's a gamble. And there's really no real wrong answer. Personally, I need the tax deduction right now because I don't have enough other deductions and I'm trying to lower my today bill, but that's me. If you listen to my third episode about being an imposter, I talked about doing your research in order to arm yourself to negotiate your salary. Racial discrimination in salary or job benefits is against the law, so it's important to advocate for yourself and lock in your fair wage. The other thing you could do is save as much as you can. If you can't change what you're getting paid, then start developing the habits that'll help you create the retirement life that you want and will be comfortable with. Like I've said before, life doesn't happen to you. You have to do it for yourself sometimes. And if that's your only takeaway from this episode, I'll consider it as you got inspired. If you work for a company that offers a 401k, and even if you don't, and if you're a low-wage earner, you might think you don't have enough to contribute to a retirement plan. And while that might be true for some, there's actually a tax advantage to contributing that you're losing out on. The government actually gives you money back as an incentive if you contribute. They call this the saver's credit, and it is free money. If you make less than $64,000 as a married joint filer, $48,000 as a head of household filer, or $32,000 as any other filing status, you can get the saver's credit. You qualify for this. The saver's credit is worth up to $1,000 per person, $2,000 if married filing jointly. It's a credit, so it's different than a deduction. So let's just say you're eligible for the $1,000. If it was a deduction, 
then this would decrease your taxable income by $1,000. Meaning if you owe 25% of taxes on $30,000 of income, that's $7,500. If this was a deduction, then you would owe 25% on $29,000, which comes to $7,250. I know this is a lot of math and I'm really sorry, but you know you can't talk about taxes without math. But so anyway, this is a credit, and it, which means it's dollar for dollar. That means that instead of the $7,500, it's now $6,500. It's also not refundable, which means that if for some reason you don't have to pay any taxes, then you actually don't get the $1,000. The credit's available to you if you contribute to a traditional or Roth IRA, 401k, simple IRA, SARSEP, 403b, or 457b plan. As of 2018, contributions to ABLE accounts, which are tax advantage savings accounts for people with disabilities and their families, are also eligible. You might be eligible for 50%, 20%, or 10% of the maximum contribution amount, depending on your filing status and adjusted gross income. So the math here is, is fairly simple. The credit is worth 50, 20, or 10%, like I said of $2,000 or $4,000 if you're married filing jointly, basically depending on your AGI that I just talked about. Assuming your earnings haven't changed much, if you look at your tax return from last year, you can find this number there. From there, Google or whatever search you use, savers credit and then the current tax year. Then check the chart for your filing status, your AGI, and you'll be able to see what percentage credit you qualify for. Again, Please feel free to reach out to me if you got questions on that. If you feel like you're within those, you know, AGI ranges and you think you might qualify, um, I can try to help you figure out if you are, and or just you know talk to your tax person. So let's just say you you make nineteen thousand dollars as a single filer and you contribute a thousand dollars to an eligible account. The value of your savers credit will be five hundred dollars. This means that you had a thousand dollars taken out of your check throughout the year. But when you filed your taxes, you got $500 of that back, half back. And you still have $1,000 working for you in that account. If you manage to contribute $5,000 to an eligible account, your credit would be $1,000 because of the cap. And let's just say your employer matches what you contribute. More free money. And it doesn't disqualify you from taking the tax credit if you're eligible. If you can afford it, try to contribute up to what your employer is going to match. So if they match 3%, contribute that. Again, that's just if you can afford it, but it's the best way to maximize your free money. And if you have any influence at your company, or even if you don't, it might be worth shooting off an email to your benefits department, asking them to bring someone in who has cultural sensitivities to the differences in investing and contributions behavior. This will help increase participation. You gotta get everybody on board. We really need to just support ourselves and, and help each other understand the importance of saving for retirement and what not to do. So I've talked about, you know, what you can do, how you could possibly save, even if, even if you don't feel like you make that much money. But what not to do is don't feel so overwhelmed by all of these choices. Many workers who are offered the opportunity to save through their employer's 401k plan don't because you have to make an active decision to participate in the plan. You might have to fill out a form. You're not sure what the percentages mean. You're not sure how much to contribute. And then after that, you're not sure what investment option to choose. Or that's even if you ever log into the account. 
These decisions can seem complicated, especially for those who have little or no investment experience. What happens is that many workers postpone or avoid making the enrollment decision. I repeat, by, con- by not contributing, you miss the opportunity to benefit from any employer matching free money and the tax savings for contributing. You might also miss out on the opportunity to, well, you will also miss out on the opportunity to let compounding returns grow over time. Literally, the ability to let your money make more money without you having to do a thing after you've put it there and chosen your investment options. And honestly, for those of us who are financially savvy, we're busy. Sometimes too busy to be worrying about logging into that thing and checking off the box. Retirement specialists say they've noted significant differences in retirement savings, even among higher income employees. Funny story, actually, when I was in the process of my divorce and after he moved out, I decided I couldn't afford to be contributing to my 401k and decided to drop it to zero for a while. No lie. Like two years later, I log in and decide to start contributing again. And I found out that I'd totally forgotten to go in there and change it to zero. So clearly I could afford to keep contributing. And I ended up just upping my percentage like two points. Listen, it's it's a retirement savings account, not a just regular savings account, not a, oh, I need RIMS account. Without a strong financial education, you tend to think of it as a regular savings account. If you, when you open the account, if you're already thinking, how easy will it be for me to take a loan from here or withdraw? Then don't open it, sis, or bro, whoever's listening. (laughs) If you're thinking this, then what you're actually looking for is a savings account. Do a high yield one for the best return. A retirement account is a put the money in there and forget it exists account. There's some reasons why you'll be able to withdraw without paying a penalty, but please try to leave this money alone. It's earmarked for your future, so save it and forget it. It does not exist. And let's just say you do happen to need to withdraw from it. If you withdraw from a 401k or traditional IRA before you hit 59 and a half, you'll pay for it in the form of a 10% early withdrawal penalty, penalty in addition to the taxes. Right now, there's eight exceptions to that 10% penalty rule, things like needing money to pay for medical expenses or for higher education. Unless your situation falls into one of these exceptions, leave the money in your retirement account for as long as you can. Every dollar you save today is another two or three dollars you won't need to save in the future, depending on how aggressively you invest. If you're somehow able to get 10% returns out of your investment, every dollar you invested would double in seven years. 10% may seem a bit high, but you get the point. It adds up and it compounds, which is how that seven-year thing I just explained happens. Check your knowledge. If you've noticed people like myself posting about you have until July 15th to make your 2019 IRA contribution, and you're wondering what that's about, considering we're in 2020, let me explain. When you contribute to your IRA, you actually get until tax filing day, even if you've already filed your taxes to make a contribution. So usually you have until April 15th of the following year to make a contribution for the year before. You may think it doesn't matter, but there might come a time when you make too much money to contribute at all. Leaving the door open gives you a little more wiggle room. It'll basically give you an extra year. Generally speaking, if you haven't maxed out the year prior, you should probably choose that when making your contribution. 
If you want to know about your specific tax situation and what you should pick, you should consult with your tax professional. I want to thank you so much for listening. I know this got very mathy and it's just really, really hard to talk about retirement and not get mathy. I hope that you kind of soaked in the stats that I brought up in the beginning of the episode. You do not have to be a statistic. We do not have to repeat the past, the history, and and be a part of what has traditionally happened in our culture. We can learn, we can grow, we can change, and we can teach our kids to be different. I hope that I've inspired you and motivated you. My goal is that at some point during this episode, you said to yourself at least once, I need to check my money today. You can find me on Instagram at checkyourmoney underscore podcast and Facebook at checkyourmoney. Hasta la próxima. Till next time. Thanks again for listening to the Check Your Money podcast. I would love to hear from you. You can email me feedback at norma at checkyourmoney.today. And remember to subscribe, follow, and rate at Apple or Google Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Also, if you can, please leave a review if you're enjoying this podcast. It's the easiest way to help it grow and be able to help continue to motivate and inspire others. The information provided in the Check Your Money podcast, associated social media accounts, and website is intended solely for the personal non-commercial use of the user who accepts full responsibility of its use. While we have taken every precaution to ensure that the content of the aforementioned is both current and accurate, errors can occur. We accept no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content. The information provided by Check Your Money and its affiliated entities is general in nature provided for educational purposes only and should not be considered to be legal, tax, accounting, or investing advice. In all cases, you should consult with professional advisors familiar with your personal factual situation for advice concerning specific matters before making any decisions.